This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to a special edition of Life Beats on Pulse 95. Today, you're going to meet one of the most extraordinary women of the UAE, Iraqi designer, author, and founder of the Zay Initiative, Dr. Reem Tariq Al Mutwalli. Through her astonishing collection of dresses from not only the UAE, but all over the Middle East, she's on a mission to preserve the stories and heritage of the Arab world. Hear her incredible story next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. The home of Dr. Reem Tariq Al Mutwalli is breathtaking. From the moment that I arrive, the doors to her villa are an announcement that this is a special place and we are about to meet someone extraordinary. Upon entering, you cannot help but be struck by the incredible collection of stunning furniture, fine art, antiques and handmade carpets. Each room of the house is impeccably decorated, filled with beautiful pieces that make it a living museum. But that's not all she collects. Dr. Reem is the founder of the Zay Initiative, an organization that celebrates the preservation of Arab heritage through the collection, documentation, conservation and exhibition of traditional dress, jewelry, ornaments and modes of bodily adornment. With a collection of 170 dresses from the priceless Sultani collection of the UAE's traditional garments, the wider collection, which encompasses the entire Middle East, aims to promote an understanding of the cultural evolution of the region, building up public awareness and appreciation of this unique heritage and reaching out to like-minded institutions both regionally and globally. At present, the collection encompasses select samples of women's dress from the UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria and Egypt. Dresses of every color, design, cultural heritage and class are included in the rapidly growing collection. A published author with over 30 years of experience in art and cultural heritage, Dr. Ring was raised to appreciate the beauty of art from an early age. Born in Iraq in 1963, her family relocated to the UAE when she was just five years old, as her father became the legal and economic consultant to the UAE's president, His Highness Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed Al Nahyan, when he was still the crown prince in the late 1960s. Her father's appointment meant that Dr. Reem grew up with the late Sheikh Zayed and the royal family, giving her unique access to the heritage of this young and rapidly evolving nation. I started out by asking Dr. Reem about where her passion for art and design comes from. Dr. Reem Al-Matwalli, incredible to be in your home and uh, seeing your fantastic collection. Art and design is just central to everything that you do. So mm. tell me about where that love for art and design comes from. Honestly, I think it, to me, it comes from my parents. My parents are collectors and I grew up in a house where um, my parents appreciated art, culture um, in all its forms. And um, 
I grew up joining them for lunches and dinners and, and gatherings where everybody that you can think of was there. They, were t they had an open house and, uh, until my father passed away two years ago. And most of the Iraqi poets, artists, writers, even politicians, they came and they visited and they knew my father and uh, my mother enjoyed their company. The house was always open for people to come around. We, we have an internal joke or a family joke because when we go into my father's house, we have to always introduce ourselves because there are so many people there that nobody knows anybody, you know. So literally, I mean, we have people coming in for Friday lunches in the anything between 35 to 70 people every Friday. Wow. Yeah, Mashallah. and uh, every day in my father's house, they start serving lunch from 12 o'clock until 4 o'clock. And you have people walking in and out of the house to see my dad or my mother, and uh, they are served lunch with this sort of tradition. It is incredible because your, your dad was actually, he was summoned uh, by the, Sheikh Zayed, by uh, Sheikh yes, Zayed himself yeah. to come and work here in the UAE. And yes. that's kind of, you know, taking you from Iraq, your native Iraq. And in terms of being so immersed in, in Emirati culture, hmm. what was that like? And, and spending time with the royalty uh, of the United Arab Emirates? I think um, we all pass through certain privileges in life or we are given certain gifts in life and uh, I was very lucky to be able to live among a community that at the time was very small and everybody knew everyone everybody mixed with everybody uh, the, the the country and the urbanization was still be beginning to be formed mm. it was more like a village life sort of rather than what you see today and uh, that gave the opportunity for everybody, everyone to, we were, you know, a small group of a society, not as large as that you see today. And that allowed for uh, everybody to interact with each other, to socialize with each other. We went, all of us, to the same schools. We mixed together. So that gave us an advantage and we forged close friendships with everyone that was in the community and we grew up together and um, that's why I have these connections and nothing special at all it's just circumstances you know it's still a, a quite an extraordinary life because you lived through a period where mm. it was the transformational period yes for the UAE yes. so tell us a bit more about that and, and what you saw uh, you know as well as his highness mm -hmm. you know the, the late Sheikh Zayed as yes. well how he really directed the country and, and to where we are today and how you saw it all grow. I think I'm um, quite privileged that uh, I had the chance to be able to be here at the right time, at the right place, and to grow up within this period of time and to experience what others like me who lived at that time experienced. And we were all influenced by His Highness, the late Sheikh Zayed. He was very close at heart to everybody. Uh, we would see him on a daily basis. Uh, we would interact with him on a daily basis from childhood. And uh, as an adult as well throughout my work, uh, be it at the Cultural Foundation or others, he was very instrumental in setting the basic building blocks to create what you see today. Um, and he was a very much a hands-on person, so he really took interest in everything and uh, pushed forward the wheel of uh, progress and 
uh, evolution that took place here. Mm. Truly he did. Talk to me about, you know, some interesting intimate moments that you might have had with him, you know, that you remember in your mind. Yes. Uh, there are many uh, levels to the personality of Sheikh, the late Sheikh Zayed and uh, he was a very humorous person. He loved a joke and humor. He was very warm and very kind all the time. He would stop and speak to everyone and anyone. One of the most uh, remembered points about him, not by me only, but m many people, you would suddenly look around while you are driving and see him driving his own car <laughs> without having a driver or without even um, security or anything of that form. And he would stop and he would say hello to people. He had a, a sort of a habit uh, that he used to choose a, a, a specific high point close to Al Maqta Bridge. Mm. And he would go there almost every evening before sunset prayers, Maghrib prayers. And he would have his coffee there. He would have a small rug, he would sit on it and has his coffee. Very simple, very easy. And people began to know that he would be there at those times. They would come and they would stop by and they would introduce their families and he would greet the children and, and those who needed something would come and ask him for a favor or the other. And ironically, it's, in a way, it is almost the same location that now his uh, mosque is set. And that's where he is buried now. So he continues to be there. Wow. She does get incredibly emotional uh, talking about it. Now, coming up next, Dr. Reem tells us how the Zay Initiative was born. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse 95 and my conversation with Dr. Reem and Mitwali, the founder of the Say Initiative. Here she tells me where her deep interest in Arab dress comes from and how the Zay Initiative was born. I wanted to be a doctor actually at the beginning and I got accepted at the Royal College of Surgeons in Dublin to do medicine. And you know, fate took it that I went to the States and, I, and then eventually I changed my major and I did uh, interior architecture. And then uh, I wanted to do my master's. I did a master's in Islamic architecture. And then after that, I decided I would go on to do a PhD. But the passion for art in all its forms was with me, as I said to you, from childhood. And when I came to study uh, for my PhD, I wanted to do something with which I can give back to a country that I had lived in. Mm. And I was noticing the change that was happening very quickly, almost in a blink of an eye. It uh, coincided with the change in the world as a whole, the technology, the evolution of uh, the internet and mass media and connectivity that's taking place, you know, around the globe. And to me, it was worrisome in the sense that this was a very close society that has opened up to the rest of the world very quickly. And in one uh, generation, they changed from a, comp a certain style of uh, life or a certain type of a lifestyle to a completely different one um, because of the extreme change, as I said. Uh, mass communication, wealth, uh, commerce, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And certain elements of the culture and heritage were dissolving very fast. 
such as in front of our eyes yeah. you know the evolution of dress itself you know if you look at it and you go back and and look at how dress was before and how it is now today uh, they might have the basic lines that are carried through but so much if you look closely so much of it has changed and uh, evolved so i wanted to make sure that i capture this capsule of lifetime that i passed through in this country and make sure that i have it recorded for future generations and Good. that's how we, we 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 went into into the dress and into the textiles and into the clothing this was an area or a part of the UAE culture that was not open to the public and not many people can experience it or see it or even become involved in it so i had a unique position that i could uh, utilize in order to create something beneficial to the same people that were giving it to me mm. it was your way of giving back yeah so it was about preserving that heritage yes. that you'd you'd grown up with Correct. as well uh, which became then the Zay initiative Zay yes. meaning dress in Arabic Correct So talk to us about how that was born Well with the collection uh, that I started for the uh, which mainly composed of UAE dresses some of them date back to the 1940s and 50s which is very rare for this area of the world Wow due to climatic conditions to the nature of life here it is so difficult to go back and find these but it was, we were lucky and i managed to get and locate uh, and i go all the way to liwa and i go all the way up to ras al khaima and chelba and you name it so you've been um, to sharjah as well yes S- uh, searching for these dresses searching too. for all of these from 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 the people themselves you know because i try to get it to me each article of dress has the voice of its owner so in a way you are not only preserving the dress but preserving the voice or giving voice to the lady who wore it and most of these women are gone they are not here anymore so i get the dresses from their granddaughters or from their daughters or grandsons and we write their story we write something about them with this dress and this will continue to exist even when i am gone so it's a beautiful way of recording the lives of people that were here in this area of the world it's a very beautiful way of yeah. recording it because as we know mm-hmm. generally in arab clothing mm-hmm. there's symbolism behind every color mm-hmm. every design yes. every shape every embroidery every bead every Correct. detail yes there's actually that we're telling our stories in Correct. our clothing that's very true with the collection as it grew I started realizing that we need to uh, to enlarge this circle and start including pieces that come from the region and from the Arab world and from what surrounds the United Arab Emirates mm-hmm. and that's what took me into a comp- another line which is trying to preserve and and connect with people who have worked on this type of work but in different areas around the Arab world so through the zay collection and through the what i call the um, advisory circle for the zay collection i managed to capture the interest of women and they mainly women there are some men but women who have worked on collections for the past 30 40 years who have started this type of work in different parts of the arab world for example you have the most famous collection belongs to the widat qawar and the tiras foundation in jordan she's a palestinian and she has preserved over 3000 articles of dress from 
every single Palestinian village. Another lady, very formidable lady, Shahira Mehrez, who is from Egypt, and she has a collection of over 7,000 or 8,000 articles of dress from Egypt. Um, another person who is Leila Pio from Iraq, another one, Dr. Leila Al-Bassam from Saudi Arabia, and the list goes on and on and on, and so it is crazy. adding and increasing by the day. How many how many women do you have and how many different countries are we representing here now? Well, we're, I'm trying, I'm aiming to get most of the Arab countries to start and then the region uh, as a whole. But uh, so far, and we launched in January of this year. I can't believe and that. I have about now 17 women like these who are now part of uh, this, this society or this sisterhood or this companionship. And it is wonderful to be able to bring them together. My objective is to eventually have some sort of a yearly seminar or yearly meet where these women can exchange thoughts, ideas. Coming up next, Dr. Reem talks about the global support that she is receiving from as far afield as the Netherlands. And she reveals the unlikely links that Arab dress has with Japan and China. Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. It is Live Beats on Pulse 95 and I'm in conversation with Dr. Reem Matwali. Here she talks the global support for the Zay initiative as well as the unlikely links that Arab and Emirati dress have with Japan and China. One of my first and major supporters is Dr. Gillian from the Textile Research Center in Leiden, imagine. And she is like a godmother to this project and she's been involved with me from the day one and helping me and supporting me. Now the the, the, the research center in Leiden has over 33,000 articles of textile that are from the whole world. And they are the first ones who started digitalizing it and putting it into digital form for people to be able to have it available. Uh, researchers, uh, creators, designers, students, young and, and old. And they've done an amazing job. and. It is through her that I am learning every day how to best carry on this with this. And she is, uh, again, one of my advisors on this circle. And so it, it brings people from West and East. And it's a beautiful way uh, of humans connecting with each other and understanding their history and understanding that we are really very, very similar, yeah. no matter where we're from. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, and the thing is, Today, in the fast fashion world, yes. we don't have, we almost never see yes. clothing that looks like that, that is, that is a wearable work of art. Yes. You know, I'm happy you, 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 you touched on this because it's a very important element. Uh, now we have a lot of designers that are coming up in the region and abroad and uh, the area is a very high consumer society. So we, 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 we do consume a lot. People used, uh, used to have two wardrobes, a winter one and a summer one. Now we have a wardrobe every other week. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely you can't true. catch up with it. That's how companies are creating yes. clothes these days. That, exactly. You know, that, that they're disposable almost, yes. which is incredibly sad because we're also losing the artistry. Mm -hmm. We're losing the handicrafts true. That, and the traditions and the stories that come through. Yes. So talk to me about 
you know, um, discovering some of those traditions. We don't want to lose that. We want need to carry on. How many dresses in the collection now? Well, now uh, from our last uh, last count, we have we've grown from 170 to about 680 now pieces Whoa, it sounds a lot but nothing compared to collections that are you know th- com- what how does it compare to thirty-three thousand that the you know Leiden institute or Leiden research center has but it's it's the beginning i mean it's it's the beginning but it's also within a short period of time very that's small an achievement yes that's incredible yes so talk us through some of them and and some of the pieces that really stand out for you well, most of the collection, as I said, is from the UAE. So mm-hmm. we have now about, instead of 170, we have about 320, maybe 340 from the UAE. And there are different slices from society. So you have those that come from the poorer families to the most uh, important and wealthier families. Some of them um, are gifted to me mm-hmm. and some of them I buy. Some of them are, as I said, the majority is from the UAE, some of them from abroad, like Iraq, Oman, Yemen, uh, Saudi, Syria, and the northern Arab countries, uh, Tunisia, Morocco, Egypt, and so on. And the highest other number after the UAE comes the collection that I have from Yemen. I've been trying, because of the situation now in Yemen, it worries me so much. So I'm trying to rescue as much as I can in order for us to have some sort of a remnants of that society and, and their culture and their heritage. So I've concentrated on that as well. So we have about 100 pieces from Yemen. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the collection is an eclectic one from all over the areas that I just mentioned. I have from the simplest fabrics to the most grand and elaborate ones. And some dresses are decorated with gold coins, pure gold coins. And some of them in silver. Some of them are decorated with silk. Some of them are embroidered with beads crystals from the first crystal that was glass and it didn't even shine to today's uh, Swarovski crystals right. that are really they look almost <laughs> like a diamond you know so the variety is is, is uh, really interesting talk to us about the the um, the coins mm. you said real gold and yes. real silver we have in the collection maybe about six or seven gold dresses that used to belong to Al Nahyan family and they are from different generations which is wonderful because you will again you see the evolution you see the change you see the the personal styles of these women each one Mm. of them has her own style in Mm. in creating that uh, dress and uh, these are the ones that attract a lot of attention and and, and a lot of uh, people are interested in looking at them but remember again with textiles and with dresses it's very difficult to show them all the time Mm -hmm. because they are very delicate and I have to make sure that they are maintained in order for them to last for another hundred or two hundred years so we only show them in short span of time and I always tend to choose like a three-day to a two-week exhibition Mm -hmm. whereby people can come in and have a look at them and we take them back and we make sure that they are stored for a period of time before we reshow them again. In terms of like the details, you know, you were talking about the coins, but also, you know, the the traditional Emirati embroidery and the weaving. Yes. Um, this would be represented within the dresses too. Definitely, the telly the work. And, yeah. and, you know, through my research, discovered that the telly is not confined just to the, to the UAE, but it stretches all the way as far as China. And there are women in China who used to do the telly work in silver. 
the original telework was in silver and the Chinese have started it and have worked on it 500 years ago. Uh, people do it in Turkey, people do it in Persia, people do it in Egypt and it is known as the tool uh, telli and some remnants of uh, archaeological finds even in the Scandinavian countries up north in, in Europe, they have worked with telly. So different cultures have worked in this medium, of course India being the most well-known uh, among those and must be mentioned. So again, when you look at it and you see and, and you trace it with a line, you see how we are connected throughout time, throughout different mediums, you know, and that's wonderful. It just shows you that we are not really different. We are, we're very much the same. Coming up next, uh, Dr. Reem takes me through some of the unbelievable pieces in her collection. And she tells me the great lengths that she has to go through chasing some of these dresses all over the world. You don't want to miss it. That is next right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats as I get a unique insight into Arab dress from the last 70 years with designer, collector and founder of the Zay Initiative, Dr. Reeman Matwali. Here she takes me through some of the stunning dresses in her rare collection, many of which are donated by the UAE's royal family. She even tells me about one piece that she had to chase all the way to Morocco. This is a very interesting piece because it was hand-painted by Sheikh Aliazi bint Nahyan bin Mubarak, Sheikh Nahyan bin Mubarak's daughter. Uh, she's an artist herself and she painted the portrait of Sheikh Zayed uh, on, on, on some silk. And then her mother, uh, Sheikh Fakhra bint Saeed, created the dress based on it. And this was made around uh, to, uh, late 1999, something of the sort, or between nine, beginning of the millennium to about 2002, something of the sort. This is one of the gold dresses that I was telling you about. And do you see the gold coinage? Of course, they are stamped because they have to be of a specific weight, uh, much lighter than regular go uh, coins. And uh, they have them in different formats. Uh, you have the disc ones. And uh, these are called njum, uh, stars. stars yeah. And these are called hruf. Why? Because they have calligraphy on them. Letters. Uh, so, yeah, letters yeah. on them. And that's why they call them hruf. And uh, they are usually combined together, either on the burga, on the face mask, or on the thob, and the, uh, the kandora itself on the arms here. This is a modern kandora. This is a post-1990s. Kandora and how could you tell because the Kandora, I mean Thobe Kandora, because the Kandora and the Thobe are one. They are no longer Attached. two pieces. Right. So eventually, uh, with time, uh, the Kandora became the lining for the Thobe. Are these like the undergarments or what are these? This one is a sarwal, uh, uh -huh. which is an underpant. It's usually cotton on top and the part that shows, which is under the knees, usually are the decorated ones. Uh, this is all with the embroidery, the traditional embroidery on yes, it. This yes, yeah. uh, this is embroidery on mm -hmm. the on it. Then you have here the shalas. This oh, shala the shalas. goes with this one. They are so beautiful. Yeah. You always have the colorful dresses and then the black shala. Yeah, well, the, I will show you a shala. Wait. 
This one is a very interesting one. We spoke of telly. Yes. In the 1980s, we had the introduction of colored metallic, not thread, but tape sort of, or, or rope. And uh, it came from Japan. And that's when they started doing this rainbow colored uh, telly. It didn't exist before because earlier on, telly was just silver, which was pure silver, mm. plus pure silver, plus um, uh, cotton or silk thread. Mm-hmm. And you see this one? It's an it's a 1980s because they are two pieces. Oh. It's a thobe and a kandora. But in the, the 90s, they became one. In the in the late 90s, they started wow. becoming one. Yes. And do you see the difference? And That's then you know. this is also again the colored telly. It's the same period of time where you st- you have it on the badle. While if I show you, for example, the older telly. Look, this is one of the oldest pieces I have. And this is silver. Hold it, touch it, and see how the difference is. Wow. How old is this? This is 1950s, mm. <laughs> probably, 50s, 60s. But see yeah. the difference between... This is metallic thread, okay, and synthetic you know, metallic thread. And this is real silver. silver. And touch it and feel it. It's completely different. And it's changed just the way that silver would change. Yes, with time. it tarnished. It's tarnished because it's itself. oxidized. Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Nice. And then if I show you again another piece here. This is again real silver in this This is shela. a real, real silver shela. Look, see how heavy? Touch it. Oh my see God. The, feel? But the, the fabric, the tulle is yes. so light. How'd they get all that silver on yeah. it? And I'll show you one that is metallic and from the 80s. Look at it. This is nylon and mm. it is colorful, uh, you know, metallic uh, thread. Wow. And compare it to this one, which is, look how. Oh, it's proper silver. You can yeah, feel you it, can the feel heaviness. It. And then compare it to, um, see, this is another silver one oh, from the 60s. Gorgeous. This one's so from pretty. the 60s again. Look at but that. But I want to show you one which has... Do they kind of hammer that in? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a straw. It's like a straw. Okay. The, the metallic thread is pound okay. and it becomes like a straw. And oh. they, you buy it as a straw and then it goes through the openings in the, um, in the netting and she folds it into the design that she wants and then she would cut it and cut it, press and on press it. And press it down. Yes, and creates wow. this. They still do this work until today. This is also silver decorating the silver uh, Real rope, silver. decorating the abaya, wow. you know. Uh, these are the old pieces. Again, you have the older this the one. piece, the yeah. more likely it is yeah. to be real silver. This is, this is another silver one. Mm. This is for an older woman because the older woman will not wear a la- large badle. She always wears a smaller one, a thinner one. Yeah, yeah. thinner one uh, as a sign of uh, you know stature and you know all of that. This is silver embroidery. Look this is that. not the metallic thread which you see now, and so you beautiful. see it how it is tarnished. Indian. This one dates again back to the 60s. This uh, was worn by Sheikha Hassa bint Hazza' bin Tahnoon al Nahyan. Tahnoon is Sheikh Tahnoon is the representative of the president at, in the uh, Al Ain area, and uh, this is his granddaughter. What is important about this dress is she wore it in 2000 and uh, I think 13. She was seven at the time. She is now about 17, 20 now, mm-hmm. years old. But she wore it to go and, and greet Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed, the president, for Eid. And this has an interesting story because 
when I found the picture, I called her mother and I said, her mother is Sheikha Moza bint Muhammad bin Khalid Al Nahyan, and a good friend of mine. And I said, Moza, I saw uh, this image that was taken in 2013 or 12, and with the hissa, Allah hafizha, wearing the thobe and so on, so on. So she said, yes, but this dress, I gave it away. You know our traditions, we give away every season, you know, to dresses and so on. I said, do you remember who? And she said, let me check. And she went back and checked and came back and said, actually, it was given away to a lady who visited us from Morocco. And I said, please call Morocco, find out. <laughs> and she said, are you crazy? Are you serious? You want me to call Morocco all the way to ask for a little dress that was worn a long time ago? I said, please, please humor me, try it. <laughs> So the poor thing, you know, I, she accepted very and obliged me and she was so kind. She called up and said, I can't believe it. The woman still has the dress. And I said, great, please have it sent back. I said, we're not going to retrieve a present. We gave it to somebody. Uh, this is not our nature. I said, please, for the sake of history. For the sake of heritage, I said, okay, stop your whining, I'll try. So <laughs> she went, the poor thing, and she asked for it, and they brought it all the way back from Morocco. And she sent a whole parcel of gifts in return for returning that piece to us. And now it's in this collection. But we will never be able to reproduce that image. You know, we, can, we cannot. It's part of history and time. And now we've got it. We've got it recorded, and it's there, and it's available for future generations to come. And this little girl, she will grow up and uh, hold a high position one day, become a leader in one way or the other. And her dress, she can go and visit it in a museum, in a collection and remember it and remember the image. Absolutely incredible that uh, the determination of uh, Dr. Reem is amazing. Coming up, we hear about how social media has changed things when it comes to research and locating rare pieces and the stories that they entail. Plus, Dr. Reem tells us the amazing story behind her show-stopping doors. You cannot miss that. All of that and so much more is coming up on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse 95 and my conversation with Dr. Reem Limitwelli, designer, cultural historian, collector and founder of the Zay Initiative. Here, Dr. Reem tells me more about her work with Sharjah's Earthy Contemporary Crafts Council. And she starts here by telling me about the unexpected benefits of social media in her quest to build her collection of dresses and document the stories behind them. And the other wonderful thing on a personal level, and which again was experienced through the latest of technologies, is the Instagram. I mean, when Instagram started and we started using it in order to promote one of the exhibitions that we had, but it created a culture and it brought me close to people that I have not ever met before. Mm -hmm. uh, it gave me a direct link to them. They speak to me on a daily basis and they comment and people give me information. What used to take me three to four years of research and, and laboring and flying from one place to the other now comes to me in one day through one Instagram post 
people comment and give their opinions from all over the region who follow us. And the following for, I mean, it's just a book and people follow it. Usually people follow celebrities and people follow, you know, sensational, you know, uh, posts. But this one is just a book about a book. It stemmed from a book, which was Sultani. It's the book that I wrote on the reference book that I wrote on the subject. And um, we, we managed to even put names to many f- old photographs were t- that were taken from this region. And we identified these women, their daughters, their granddaughters. They would call me and say, this is my grandmother, this is my mother, uh, her name is so-and-so. And then I would go to them and, I, and, and see if I can obtain a piece of their clothing. Their burga or their shayla. Maybe one one young girl sent me one one pair of her of the gold uh, toe rings that her grandmother was wore. You know, because the other one is lost. So we've got just one. But we've got a whole <laughs> memory of that woman. Her passport. Imagine, the the woman died maybe f- uh, 30 years ago, and now we have her passport. We have her gold ring. And we have a burqa of her, so, and we have her story, and what she did, and how she did it, and where she lived, and how she married, how old was she when she got married, how did she feel, all these stories are there. And so it's not just a dress or not an article of clothing, but it's the history of a human being. What are some of the most interesting things that you learned in Amazing. Amazing things. I mean, uh, uh, some women who bring me their dress, how old is this dress? And she says, I don't know how old, but I know I made it a month before my firstborn came to the world. And then then we go and we check and her firstborn maybe holds a PhD degree now and he's a a minister somewhere or the other, you know, (laughs) and uh, I can identify that person and then find out how old is he and then go back again and, and look at the time just two months before he was born and then we can date that article that the mother has brought to me or I have uh, dresses that come from some women and I, w- I, I challenge them and I say but look look at it it looks like a child's dress it can't be your dress and she would say yes but it's my wedding dress and I wore it and I was 12 when I got married so she was a child when she was married and that's what she really wore wow. so you find out things that you know, now we don't even comprehend or understand or vis- visualize. And I get the story of that woman and how she felt and and what went through her mind when she was getting married. And it's really wonderful. But it's just like, you know, it's like this window, this dress yes. suddenly becomes a window. Yes. It's like a time machine into a whole other time, place and yeah. culture and people. Yeah. It's just amazing. It is amazing. Um, a, a bit about your work with Irthi and yes. how you've connected to kind of yes. um, bring some of those dresses into your collection? Yes. Well, the Earthy uh, uh, initiative is an amazing one, and I've been involved with them for uh, quite some time, and I know most of the ladies, the craftswomen that work there, and I go and see them periodically, and we are very close friends. They are, they, I have them on my WhatsApp, and they almost on a weekly basis, I get messages from them and, and wishes and so on and so forth, and they've become my scouts because every time they find somebody that has something that's old, they remember me, and they, you know, they connect me with that person, and uh, I go and I meet with them, and they become my ambassadors sort of way and introduce me to the cultures that they live among. And many of their stories of these women I have within the collection because I have pieces from their collection. I learn from them how to do the telly work. And they, they are doing an amazing work in, uh, at Earthy. And I'm a great supporter 
of what they are doing. Because something, part of, they've been on the show before and, yes. and you know, they talk a lot about how um, it's not just about remembering that art, but it's about mm. keeping it alive. And that's yes. kind of where I want to come to you with now. It's like, how, how do we get young people really excited about this the way that you're excited about it yes no i think there are a lot of young people who are very excited mm. about it because you see designers that are employing this kind of work in their designs in their products and that is very important this is how you carry it forward i think my role is just to be there for the, me to give them the source and the information mm. and make sure that this information is preserved and there for them to use yeah. the earthy people's role is to produce the products that they can be implemented in the designs and the the creators the new designers the young generation they have the role to find creative ways to be able to use this and utilize it and take it forward that's how you keep it alive and yes. contemporary yes which is just as important and they are doing that by the way in earthy because earthy they've also managed for example the telly work yeah. they've managed to create new telly designs themselves and they are they've taken it all the way I mean they had an exhibition in Paris just a few months ago and it was an amazing project exactly so they are doing an amazing job they Farah, worked with Asprey right and they did the right. handbags yes and that's, the Asprey uh, that bags was a beautiful gorgeous. project yes, yes and and they've even done like um you know recyclable materials like plastic mm-hmm. yes and it just it looks so beautiful yeah you know it's about sustainable fashion as well it's yes. like a whole the mm-hmm. next level kind of and I kind of sort of want to want you to speak to that, you know, about the power of fashion, not only to define history, but to be born, you know, out of culture, out of history and out of traditions. Well, lately, if you look at the 10 or 15 most influential exhibitions in the world mm. that have brought the largest number of visitors, and these took place in New York, Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, and so on and so forth around the world. But if you look at the numbers of people visiting, they are the, the, the most attractive exhibitions that people go to, and, they, and that is people, men, women, children, and so on. So you have a whole uh, rainbow of, of uh, society coming in. And dress it's it's people's clothing that attracts everyone mm. uh, it does it even more than art yeah because some people even have this um, they get intimidated by art they think they need to know more about art in order to appreciate it or to live with it or to handle it but with clothing people feel very at ease and they walk in and they want to know and they want to learn and it's it comes across very quickly you, you we are an exhibition as we walk, because er, as you walk, people are looking at you and they are reading all different different kinds of signs about you. So you are in a walking exhibition as you are, every one of us. Coming up, Dr. Reem tells us the story behind her incredible doors, carved especially for her by the father of Iraqi sculpture, Muhammad Ghani Hikmad. It's such a beautiful story. That's next on Pulse95. You're listening to... Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. 95. Keeping it local all day, every day. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. I'm in conversation with Dr. Reem and Matwali, and here she talks to me about some of the special pieces that adorn her home and 
she shares with me the story of her epic entry doors. Let's kind of move to your home. Hmm. And uh, we started talking about this earlier before about, you know, how you think about design. Let's talk about some of your favorite pieces that you have in your home. I don't think you can choose a favorite because by by having it in my home, it means it is a favorite of mine. <laughs> correct? You know, otherwise here. you wouldn't you wouldn't have it. It's and what's nice about what I have in my home, and again, it's another privilege I'm very thankful for and blessed for it, is the fact that most of what you see here, from the art collection to the pieces of furniture and so on and so forth, they come from the source. They come from the artists themselves and. My life has brought me close to many of these people and it's so wonderful to have been able to know them and have shared memories with them and experiences with them and have a part of what they have created living with me. Even in the photographs that you see in my in the frames around, they are of poets and of writers and of other people that I have met and come across through my life. And and again, this, this happened because I worked at a place called the Cultural Foundation in Abu Dhabi. It was the cultural hub of Abu Dhabi at the time. And everybody came across it, from Diana to Margaret Thatcher to uh, um, Nazar Qabbani, Hanan Ashrawi, to uh, Nasir Shamma. I, I, I can't, I mean, there are so many, I can't count them. I, I worked there for 24 years of my life. And every day somebody in that caliber walked in and we met and we worked and we have memories together. And, and you see that reflected in my home. That's just, it's phenomenal. It's very nice. I'm you know, very lucky. That is very, very, very special. But yeah. um, and I know it's difficult to, to kind of choose favorites, but just kind of point out some of the more unusual pieces. Maybe what, the door, the yes, main door. That's the, a nice talking Your entry point. door yes. is incredible. Yes. Talk to us about <laughs> that. Well, uh, it was carved by Iraq's father of sculpture, whose name is uh, Mohammed Ghani Hikmet. He worked on the fulfillment of uh, Jawad Salim's uh, monument in the center of Baghdad. So he carried on the work of Jawad Salim, the father of Iraqi art. If, if, you, see, if you see an image of Baghdad, you always would see the Nasb one of the main roundabouts yes. in Baghdad. And that Nasb was designed by Jawad Salim. But Jawad Salim passed away before executing it and putting it up. So the person that came back and created the work and put it up was Muhammad Ghani Hikmat. And if after that, he created many of the public arts that you see in Baghdad, all around Baghdad. Uh, from Shahrazad and Shahrayar to the Mutanabbi to the all different icons of culture, Sindabad and all of them. He created them in sculptural form all around Iraq. And one of his specialities was he started creating doors, carving doors. And um, as part of my interior design life, I used to be interested in making sure that his doors are uh, avail or are instituted in different parts of the homes that I worked on. Mm. And uh, actually, Mohammed Ghani Hikmat has a door that was gifted to the UN by Iraq. So if you go to, the New, to New York, you will see one of his doors in the UN building, and it's a gift from Iraq to, to, to the UN. So that was the type of, that was the man that was behind the door. And I was working on a project here in the UAE 
and uh, that was maybe about 30, 35 years ago. And um, I asked him, he's a good friend of my mother and father as well. And uh, I asked him and I said, Muhammad, I want you to make a door for me. And he said, you're funny. And I said, why am I funny? He said, because you don't even have a house. Why would you want to have a door? And I said, it's okay, but make it for me. And I will make sure that one day when I have a house and he laughed. But I went after him and until he created a door for me and the door stayed in storage for the past 30 years. And just two years ago, when I moved here to Dubai, I decided you know, to take it out of the storage and install it into a house. After 15 years, after he created the door, 15 years later, he came back to the UAE and he signed the door. So it took 15 years for him to have it signed. And then after that, another 15 years later, we put up the door and Mohammed Ghani passed away five years ago. So he didn't even get to see it being put up. But if you look also behind me, do you see that sculpture over there with, yes. the, with the woman in, yes, the, in, yes. in the wood? One day, again, we were sitting at the Cultural Foundation and he was visiting. And that day we found out that I was pregnant. And I was so excited and uh, he was sitting there and he heard me jumping with screaming on the phone saying that I'm pregnant and he was very quiet and he said we're meeting for lunch today aren't we and I said yes he said well let me go and finish some work and I'll come back to you and I'll meet you for lunch and I said okay and he walks into my father's house and he had found a piece he went searching for a piece of wood and he carved it and he signed it and he brought it to me for lunch and he said, this is so that you remember the day you found out that you were pregnant. So that's the type of stories that I have with these people and that's wonderful. Absolutely incredible. Coming up next, uh, Dr. Reem takes us through her art collection, including pieces by the father of Iraqi art, Fayyak Hassan, and renowned contemporary Emirati artist, Fatma Luta. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's a Shasha story. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. It's Life Beats on Pulse 95 and an amazing conversation and insights into Arab art and design with the phenomenal Dr. Reem Limitwelli. And here she takes me through pieces that adorn her home, including paintings by the father of Iraqi art, Fayyak Hassan, and renowned Emirati artist, Fatma Luta. That other sculpture over there is yeah. by a French uh, sculptor, Guy Ferrer. And he came in about 15 years ago when we did the first Abu Dhabi art fair. Uh, he created uh, a sculpture that spells the word tolerance. Okay, And we, it was the first public art installation in Abu Dhabi. And we installed it at the entrance of the Crown Prince, today Crown Prince Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed's office. And it spells tolerance. If you go there, you will see it. And he walked in again and he had brought me this piece to put in my home as a remembrance of that. So each one of those pieces that you see talks about somebody, an artist that I worked with and we experienced something together. And phenomenal. And uh, it's just breathtaking. It's lovely. It's it's like a living museum (laughs) that you have here that you live in, which is incredible. Uh, Talk to us a bit about the the artworks as well. You were saying as well, you um, are quite good friends with Sultan Saud al-Qasimi, who is, of course, uh, the founder of the Burjil Art Foundation as well. 
well and is quite a collector himself. He is. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Well, Sultan was very kind to give me the right to publish four or five of artworks that he owns. Mm -hmm. And these works were by Fatma Luta, who is a UAE artist and also a very good friend and colleague of mine. I love her dearly. She's one of these really hardworking UAE artists who has really spent most of her life passionate about her art. And she had created a number of artworks that represent UAE women. And contemporary pieces at that as well. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, Sultan owns those pieces. So he allowed me, he was very gracious to allow me to produce the images of those artworks into the book Sultani mm. that I had created. Uh, we both share the same passion. Yeah. And we meet on all these occasions when you have all these exhibitions and so on and so forth. Yes. Um, a couple of other paintings that yes. might stand out here? Well, most of the Iraqi art movement is represented in my home. You have Faiq Hassan. I have a few pieces of Faiq Hassan. Uh, again, the father of Iraqi art. And um, I don't take the credit for them because they belong to my father-in-law. My father-in-law was the lar largest collector of Faiq Hassan in Iraq. And uh, these are some of the pieces that he gifted it to me. And Faiq was his one of his best friends. He was a patron of Faiq Hassan, so he, he always would sit down with him. My father-in-law loved poetry, so he used to recite poetry, and uh, Faiq Hassan would make paintings out of them and so on and so forth. We have a few from Ziya al-Azawi. Ziya al-Azawi is also an Iraqi artist. Again, a very close friend of my mother's, a close friend of mine. You know, he's more like a mentor, a teacher. He's been involved in that area of the work and for a long period of time, so, um, and involved in this field on many levels. There's another one there. If you look at it, do you see the women there on the in the bottom? Yes, yes. Uh, this is by a, an Iraqi artist by the name of Isam Saeed. Isam Saeed is the son of Nouri Saeed, one of Iraq's prominent prime ministers, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, Isam passed away a long time ago. But he was the first person who worked on the geometric forms in Islamic art. And he published a book about it. And uh, he did that work. And I, I met, my mother introduced me to Isam uh, when I was, I think, 13, studying at boarding school in England. And I was mesmerized by his work and the way he expressed art. And uh, it's so wonderful to be able to have a piece of his work still with me until today. It's been there in my blood, or even from childhood, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just such a joy. It is such Thank a joy you. to see this. It's yeah. such a joy to live at it. Thank you for sharing Thank all you for of these coming and visiting. incredible gifts that you have with us and this heritage and this understanding because it, it enriches us all. Thank you. Thank you for visiting. Please come again. Absolutely incredible. And uh, you can, of course, uh, go online and find out more about Dr. Reem's work with the Zay Initiative at the website, thezay.org, and it's Z-A-Y. In fact, um, when I went back home to Sydney, I actually found my own Hashmis, we call them Hashmis, or uh, Arab dresses, that my mother had lovingly preserved throughout my life. I've got uh, dresses from when I was very little all the way uh, into adulthood as well. Who knows, the stories behind them might also go into the archive, which is now 800-plus dresses strong. Absolutely amazing. That is it for us here on Life Beats. We are going to be back again with you tomorrow. Have a fabulous day full of all of the good things that make life beat. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.